Hey everybody, and thanks again for joining me for another episode of the NHS 100K podcast with me, Matt Taylor. Sorry it's been a few weeks since I've done anything. Uh, guests are sparse on the ground, everyone's busy fighting the fight, but today I've got Mr. MP Andrew Bridgen, who's come back to join me for part two. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm good, Matt. Um, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm doing all right compared to uh, some other people. But people don't care about how I'm doing. What a massive question to open up the uh, the interview with. What have you been doing since we last uh, we last had a conversation? And start wherever you want to start. <laughs> um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, hasn't it? Um, so um, I spoke out in the chamber on the 13th of December. We had an interview. Um, it's fair to say that my life changed that night. Um, as someone who'd been on the mainstream media a lot, quite a lot in newspapers every week, probably appeared on the television three, four, five times a week, different channels, completely cancelled. But what did happen is as soon as I stood up and gave that speech on the 13th, pointing out my concerns about the safety and efficacy of the vaccine, thousands and thousands of emails from around the world, mostly from the UK, but from around the world, uh, people telling me about their own experiences of vaccine harms, some heartbreaking emails from the vaccine bereaved um, and a lot of encouragement. Uh, so, yes, I'm cancelled by the mainstream media for challenging the narrative, which should never happen in any open and free democracy. I've been cold shouldered by the political party I've been a member of for 13 years. They spuriously threw me out of the Conservative Party. Um, and I think 75% of that was 25% of that was to punish me, but 75% of it was to uh, encourage my colleagues not to adopt the same strategy, which is, is pretty poor, in, again, in any open and free democracy. Um, and basically, it's continued from there. But I mean, uh, on a daily basis, uh, more information is coming out about the safety, questioning the safety and efficacy of the vaccines, questioning the government's supported by the opposition's um, pandemic responses, the lockdowns. Um, and I think people are waking up. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've always worked on the basis that if 5% of people had realised what was going on, you know, it takes a certain amount of time to get to 10%. But to get from 10% to 20% is only the same time. And and I think that's probably about where we are now, probably about 20%. And the time it'll take for you to get from 20% to 40%, again, will be will be a, a short period of time. Um, I think far too many people know uh, now and have suspicions. I think it's very telling that, you know, I, I gave a speech on the 13th of December. I spoke again on the 17th of March using the government's own data on the number needed to vaccinate with the autumn booster, pointing out that it was... A not safe, uh, based on uh, um, Joseph Fryman's uh, um, data from America, one in eight hundred serious adverse events, mm -hmm. explaining that it was the rollout of the vaccine which was putting a huge pressure on the NHS because of the vaccine injuries, uh, explaining the excess deaths, which we're not allowed to have a debate on in Parliament, no matter how many times I asked for it, mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, you know. A month, two months ago, one person was stopping me in the street to talk about what I was doing and supporting me. 
now it's it's two and three and i say the last five taxis i've got into uh in london every one of the taxi driver knew what was going on and uh, half of them wanted a selfie with me so um if the taxi drivers in london know it's it's probably getting out there um, yeah. Yeah. we've got to get people to really bombard their elected members of parliament and um, and, and force this actually out into the mainstream now but they're they're very nervous the mm. uh, the, the government uh, are very nervous I joined the Reclaim Party, and quite honestly, I am struggling to speak in Parliament. Um, I do not know what pressure they've put on Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker, uh, but I've never known a time like it where I stand in the chamber to speak and I just don't get called. And also, I'm putting in every week uh, for uh, a backbench business debate, I'm putting in for an adjournment debate, I'm putting in for a Westminster Hall debate on the issues of interest, which are the excess deaths, um on um on, on the amendments to the international health regulations by the who which alongside the pandemic uh treaty or accord are, are a huge power grab and we can talk about that a bit more in, in detail but matt you know mm. when i go to try and get a debate i need cross-party support for a for a debate and when i go to the labor end of the tea room and ask them can we have a debate on excess deaths they're affecting my constituents but they're affecting your constituents as well, and they look at me and say, uh, you know, and I said, well, look, you know, you can stand up in that chamber and say it's all those horrible Tories, they've ruined the NHS or the ambulance service or whatever you want to say, and that's why all these people, we've got these excess deaths, and they look at me and they say, we don't want to talk about it. You've come to the wrong pub. Well, something seriously wrong with our democracy when mm. opposition MPs don't want a chance to have a go at the government, it's 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 just a a conspiracy of silence mm. um, and that only confirms that uh, i'm on the right track and the amount of flack personally i've taken over the last six months um you only you only get shot at by flack when you're over the target matt and uh, i think we're spot over the target now 100 100 uh, I, I would just want to bounce back to when you i remember seeing you saying that you wanted to join the uh or that you were joining the reclaim uh, the reclaim party. I must admit, I had mixed mixed feelings about this um, because I know the, the the reclaim party at the beginning of all this weren't where we wanted them to be, and there seemed to be NHS 100K and the Together Declaration Group were the only ones who seemed to be speaking out about this. Why, why, why the reclaim party then? What, what's um, what, what kind of inspired you to do that? Um, well, obviously, uh, I had a lot of approaches from a lot of parties, from uh, the Heritage Party, uh, Reform. Um, UKIP. Uh, at the end of the day, I thought ideologically that Reclaim was the best um, fit for me. Um, reform were very keen uh, with you know Farage and Tice, but I mean, being generous, I think they've they've been inconsistent on on the vaccine harms. Mm -hmm. um, so um, Lawrence and his team, they've got some very very good people there and they're going to give me a lot of support in northwest leicestershire going forward to the next general election um, and also we're going to, we're going to be recruiting um some more high profile candidates so watch this i mean some very well known names will be and i'm not i'm not uh, i'm not unconvinced that we couldn't have um other mp's joining us uh, over the next few months there's no, there's no science going to come out in the next uh, in, the, in in anywhere in the future saying actually you know we're all wrong and the the vaccines are absolutely safe and effective 
Um, so it's only going one way. And quite honestly, the, <clears throat> the longer it goes until the next general election, the more informed the public are going to be, which for me yeah. suggests that um, Rishi Sunak's probably going to cut and run early. Yeah. I mean, I'll wait for my invite in the post to join your party, all right? Um, I'm, I'm after a career change, <laughs> another one. Uh, okay, well, I wanted to ask you about it because it's, it's, I think it was, it was only a matter, it had to happen because um, it's difficult to, but you can do a lot more influence and change when you're actually inside somewhere, can't you really? So I will, um, we'll, we'll watch this space. Um, so yeah, leading into the next question then, um, how's your faith in democracy at the moment then? Do you think we can rescue it? We've got to, but the current system's not only not working in the UK, it, it's not working anywhere around the world. I mean, mm. some of the antics that have been going on in, in America, you know, the the land of the free, supposedly, and the leader of the free world, um, yeah. you know, some of the court cases, <clears throat> the evidence we're seeing coming out about where, where, you know, people have falsified evidence against political opponents, there's no there's no action being taken at all. Um, I can let you into a little secret. There is, uh, I've been been given a lot of evidence, and 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 witnesses have come forward to me over the last six months about a lot of corruption in our parliamentary system and uh, our banking system. Um, I have got a question to the uh, Attorney General on Thursday, which is the last day before we rise for a little recess for the bank holiday, uh, and. Uh, and, and that's going to be a bombshell, quite honestly. So there's nothing good about our democracy at the moment. I've, 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 I've learned a lot about it. I've, I think I've, I'm in the belly of the beast. And uh, I don't know who we're serving, but um, we're not serving the people. I, I joined a parliament and became a representative for North West Asia, which is my home and where I was basically brought up and ran my business, um, to legislate laws to make life better for the people and I think now we've got parliament in the UK and across the world so-called democracies where laws are actually being inflicted upon the people and that's that's not how it works Matt it's not how it should work um we need we need a complete well we could say we need a, a great reset but not necessarily the one that uh, the Schwab is intending we need we need a, a great reset it's clear to me that uh, large corporate interests have, have got power well in excess uh, of, of, of the, the lobbying power of the people. And this is completely wrong. So that we've got this corporate stakeholder uh, sort of approach, which means that uh, if you put enough money into the system and you're powerful enough, you can override democratic decisions made by the people. And, and that's the opposite of, of true democracy. Now, obviously, it suits a very small group of people at the top of our society. And... Um, and they seem to have all the, the levers of power at their hands. Well, there's a great saying from America I, very, I like very much, and that's that when the, when, the, when the people are scared of the politicians, that's tyranny. And I think that's where we are now. I think people are genuinely scared about what the government's going to inflict on them next. Mm -hmm. um, and when the politicians are scared of the people, that's democracy. Well, we, we need to get to the latter as soon as possible. And we are going to have some elections coming up. Yeah. Quite honestly... At the moment, if you look at the policies and the direction of travel, it doesn't matter which of the major parties, the established parties you vote for, they're all going the same way. It's all, they're all on the same trajectory. They all supported all the excesses of the lockdowns. They're all going to vote for the WHO treaty, mm -hmm. which basically makes our parliament redundant. Um, it's the end of, of democracy, no accountability.
Mm -hmm. And decisions around the world have been made by a single man, the Director General of the WHO, who uh, is a fairly dubious character, doesn't pay tax anywhere and has diplomatic immunity. So I can't think of anyone more unaccountable um, to, uh, to be in control of, uh, of policies that will affect everyone in the world. Mm. It's, it's the absolute opposite of, uh, of the Brexit that my constituents voted for and I led the Leave campaign in the East Midlands and the East Midlands voted, voted for. So mm. it almost doesn't matter what the people vote for at the moment or what the people want, uh, we're getting something else and that's completely unacceptable. So we need a complete change of the whole system and I'm hoping uh, that with the Reclaim Party we're going to do a little deal with uh, the other minority parties as such and hopefully we can have enough candidates elected at the next general election to hold the balance of power uh, and then we can make some real changes. I know the Freedom Alliance Party we're looking to uh, get involved with some smaller parties. It was quite difficult because no smaller party wants to relinquish I'd say the power that comes with it because they know if they get absorbed by a larger party, they may not have as much say in things. And so, we, again, we're dealing with people's kind of egos in regards of being able to look at the bigger picture. Um, well, I think I think if, if if the I think we need a sort of non-aggression pact between the small, mm. so we choose which seats we're going to fight in. Yeah. Um, and if people can't put their egos to one side now, when we're we're facing an existential threat to our way of life and our democracy, then. Uh, that would be a well. I think that'll be very telling, quite honestly, if we we can't come to some agreement uh, for the greater good. But yeah. Ben, those those are discussions that are ongoing um, mm. now. Um, and Parliament itself, uh, it, it is like living in a parallel universe. Or when I when I go down there, I mean, I'll be after after this interview, I'm going to be getting onto the train and going down Sunday lunchtime to stop the rush on Monday morning. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, I'm getting the cold shoulder from uh, a lot of MPs, the vast majority of people I spoke, you know, I've worked with for 13 years across the House, and of course the House of Lords is the same. But there is yeah. about there are about 4,000, shall we say, real people who work in Parliament, and they're the cooks, the cleaners, the security mm. guards, the clerks, and the support from them for me is amazing. I had a um, I was a, a week a week ago Thursday. I was on the terrace before I went to speak in business of the house questions, and uh, a, a black lady came up to me and whispered in my ear. She's one of the cleaners in the in the House of Commons. Um, I had never spoken to her before, uh, and she just whispered in my ear, said, uh, "I'm in the prayer group in Parliament, and uh, I want you to know we're all praying for you." Well, that's good. I've been, and, and, I've, and the num a number of security guards that come up to me normally when I'm walking into Parliament in the morning or walking out in the evening because they're changing shift, mm -hmm. and uh, they'll say, "I can't speak to you in in the house because obviously it's you know we're not supposed to be political, but uh, keep going and we've got your back." So you literally like the the boy that has fleas when you're at primary school to the point now where just no one wants to speak to you, or you still you know you still having engagements with politicians. And MPs, or they completely shunned you. It's pretty, I'm pretty much shunned. Uh, it was interesting when, I mean, the whole thing about my my suspension from the party over the alleged anti-Semitic uh, remarks it was an absolute joke. Uh, and then when the uh, disciplinary panel, made up of two lawyers and a failed candidate for the Conservatives for Shropshire North, decided that I should be expelled from the party. 
Um, I, I was allowed 28 days to appeal, but the 28 days appeal was contingent on uh, confidentiality, nothing leaking out. And then they leaked out after two weeks to make sure I couldn't appeal. Uh, <laughs> because they had no no grounds for my suspension in the first place um, yeah so uh and, and I, when all that broke on, on i think it was a wednesday uh, it was a bit disappointing that not one of my conservative colleagues who i've worked with for 13 years contacted me the only the only politician that contacted me about an hour later was a u.s presidential candidate uh, robert kennedy jr mm. um he, he rang me from America to uh, offer his support, um, and I, th I just thought it was it was pretty telling the level of fear that's infected our our politics now that uh, they could intimidate my colleagues to that extent. Um, yeah. People, I, you know, I've known on a professional basis for a very long time who've been allies on many many different campaigns that we've fought, um, and I would say to your listeners that the the press censorship over the COVID harms, the vaccine harms, is not new. Um, you might recall that I, as soon as I was elected, you may have heard uh, back in 2010, I got involved investigating the Post Office Horizon scandal for the mm. first five years. And I had all the evidence that those convictions were unsafe. Uh, they were, in fact, it was a complete computer glitch that was causing all of this. I had all the evidence. The government knew, the post office knew, but for the first five years, I couldn't get anybody, more than that, six years, I couldn't get anybody, any newspaper to print it. And I, could, I wasn't allowed to go on television with any channel to uh, explain all the evidence that we had that those convictions are unsafe. And now, of course, it's all accepted now that that was the biggest miscarriage of justice. But the government kept a lid on that for 13 years. What would have been the repercussions? What did they threaten you with if you were to speak out about that, losing your position? I did have a meeting with a very senior member, colleague in the Conservative Party, who at this stage will remain nameless. Um, we met in his office for an hour. Um, I already knew that, actually, doing my research, he knew everything. And then, and then he'd had family members who've reacted very badly uh, to the vaccines. Um, he didn't know that I knew that. We had our conversation for an hour. And at the end of it, he turned around. And I was expecting him to support what I was doing. This is back in January. Uh, and at the end of the meeting, his, his remarks were very telling. He said that there was, I should know that there was no political appetite at the moment for my views on the vaccines. Uh, there may well be in 20 years time and I may well be proved right. Um, I said, well, how many people have got to die or, or can't be treated if we're waiting 20 years to tell people what's what's actually happened? And as I left the meeting, left his office, he said that um, I should be aware that I was I was taking on the most powerful vested interest in the world with all the risks to me that that would entail. I don't think he, he wasn't joking. I mean... Um, no, I don't think. I mean, we've been doing this a long time, haven't we? The government have been doing whatever they're doing for a long time, so they know how to they know how to do this. You well, know. and also the you know the anti-Semitic uh, line is 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 the is the normal smear, isn't it? I yeah. mean, that's 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 the one that they love. 
I don't uh, think it stuck. I don't think it stuck. Lots of people saw through it. Even people that weren't really on the bandwagon of, of the whole vaccine thing and co just lots of people were like, this is ridiculous. Um, and well, I think it, it inadvertently it, ended up waking up more people than it intended to. to I honest. think everything they've done to me actually has uh, has had what they call the Streisand effect, where yes. uh, it's actually it's yeah. actually rebounded on them. Um, I was I was so humbled. I mean, 25 of the world's leading Jewish scientists and doctors wrote a, a letter to Rishi Sunak about my suspension. They they sent it on the 30th of January, so a couple of weeks after I was suspended. Mm. Um, they accused Rishi Sunak in the letter, which is, is on my Twitter, um, and it will um, it will feature again. They accused Rishi Sunak of falsely accusing me of anti-Semitism, which, of course, falsely accusing someone then diminishes real anti-Semitism. And they also uh, accused him of deliberately uh, closing down free speech on important issues in the House of Commons. Uh, and, of course, um, they regard... They regarded that as the first sign of a totalitarian regime, which obviously was deeply worrying to them. Now, it's mm. interesting. That letter was posted to number 10 on, on the 30th of January. Um, number 10 said that they'd never received it a week later. So then it was posted, recorded delivery, and it was signed for a few days later. Uh, not with a signature. It just said number 10. Um, and the government and, and, and number 10 still claim that they've never received it and they've never responded to it in uh, in four months. Um, that um, I think that's, a, that's the state of government we are now. It's a, it's a bit like when I get these debates on the, the, the subjects that the government doesn't want to discuss. They mm. tend to ensure that the minister who's responsible has got something else to do. So they give me a substitute minister who's not got responsibility or the knowledge of that area that I'm going to speak on, whether it's the WHO or vaccine harms. Uh, so, so the minister they put up can't possibly answer the questions you're asking. And then they say, well, we, we'll, we'll write to the honourable gentleman and, and, uh, with the answers. And, you know, and, and four months later, they haven't. Uh, well, the it's almost, it's almost like you're, you're just fobbing off. It's fobbing off all the time, um, yeah. hoping that you're just going to, going to go away. Um, well, I'm not. We all saw the video of uh, of when you you had uh, you were in Parliament speaking, and uh, one of the other MPs ushered everybody out. We all saw that deliberate, you know, and you can't unsee that sort of stuff. So if they think uh, that, that the world isn't watching when these sorts of things happen, well, yeah, well, that, those, those videos actually, I put them up on YouTube. Uh, and, and it's got my my speech and the minister's response. And it's just a government debate. Mm. Um, they were actually taken down by YouTube as being outside yes. their community guidelines, and then obviously they had to put them back up because of the of, of the of the uh, the outcry that uh, mm. the, that even debates from Parliament might be censored. Uh, and of course, that makes them more popular. If you want to if you want to make something popular in the UK or around the world, you see, the best thing is to try and ban it. Uh, it tends to create quite a bit of interest. But I mean. Those videos have, must have been seen across all the social media well over 20 million times. Um, I, I would doubt there's any any adjournment debate in the history of Parliament that's ever been watched as many as my my videos. So it, mm. despite the fact that the mainstream media won't cover them, there's obviously huge interest from the public and, and, it's, and it's certainly growing. Mm. So um, I think the next 12 months, Matt, are going to be absolutely crucial. There are yeah. lots of things on the horizon, uh, and, and, and quite honestly, those who uh, wish to usurp 
our democracy, and it's not just in this country, but around the world, um, their chips are already in the middle of the table. They're all in now. They've shown their hand. You know, we've got the digital ID, which will be a major infringement of uh, of, of our human rights and, 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 and privacy. I mean... I mean, Rishi isn't even subtle, is he? I mean, he's, that that that, uh, that technology is is uh, is going to be brought in if it, if if it's approved, and unless we do something as people, it's going to be approved. Um, it's going to be brought in by a company that's basically founded by his father-in-law, Infosys in India. I mean, it's going to be billions of pounds for his family. I mean, that that should never be allowed uh, at any time. Um, we're going to have. It looks like we. We're going to have a banking crash, a financial crash uh, later this summer, probably by the autumn. They're mm. going to try and bring in these uh, central bank digital currencies, which are basically tokens that can be completely controlled. Mm. And of course, with the WHO treaty, the accord post-pandemic, handing massive powers over to the WHO, and they can call a you know a, a public health emergency of international concern, which is interestingly abbreviated to being a fake, a fake. Uh, they can call it for, you know, uh, the threat of of a transmissible disease. Could be something to do with animal health, or or they 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 even will have the powers to call it because they think carbon dioxide levels have gone up too high in some part of the world, or there's being a loss of biodiversity, and they could decide that they're just going to shut down part of the world's economy for a few months to put a break on something. I mean, and even the, even the risk of that, and, and it's such an extension of powers. If all those things come in, and, and we're talking about within the next 12, 18 months max, I mean, quite honestly, the world's going to be a very, very different place uh, to the one that we had pre-pandemic. And uh, effectively, those who wish to uh, implement a great reset will have got their way. I mean, currently, I, I'm, I'm very worried uh, that the, the current make of a parliament will, will see all these measures come in um, and it will be very much to the detriment of of, of our people and uh, our children's future. And I'm not going to stand idly by and let that happen. Me and you both, my friend, me and you both. Why do you think that, that, that the um, that America seems to have so much more information out in the open and the public domain for people to sort of look at and discuss compared to the uh, compared to England? You know, everybody's a lot more aware of the corruption that's going on in the States, but not so much on our own doorstep is that purely down to media or the government just being better at hiding it you think i, I think uh i think we've got the most button down media in the world mm. i think mm. the control of the bbc itv sky channel 4 and all the mainstream newspapers uh, i think we've got a tighter there's, there's a tighter lockdown i mean mm. gb news tries a bit but um, i mean i've met with their their, their owners and them oh, and, yeah. and they are under such pressure, the, you know, the big farmer are putting pressure on their advertisers. I mean, so many people just won't advertise with GB News because of what they're already saying. If they went any further, I mean, the Ofcom would just shut them down. So you've got Ofcom policing our media. Uh, and once again, you know, whether it's whether it's the MHRA, the Medicines and Healthcare Product Regulator mm -hmm. Agency, the the, the the joint committee on vaccination immunization or ofcom all these regulators uh, have been completely bought and controlled yeah and, and people are sort of, people are seeing it more obvious now you know with, yeah. uh, and I, I think some of the stuff in america that their system of congressional and senate hearings where they they uh, that 
Um, Ron Johnson is very good. Um, <laughs> and um, the problem with our committees, they're, they're equivalent basically of our select committees in the UK, hmm. but uh, the appointment of the chairs uh, is, is by the whole house and they always make sure they've got the right chairs who, uh, you know, you, it's, uh, it's patronage uh, mm. and they tend to get the right people in there who are not going to ask the questions that the public really want to ask. Uh, and, and effectively, we've got a uni party now in, in the UK, so it doesn't really matter who you vote for. So, uh, you know, if, if, all, if, all, mm. the, uh, if all, the, all the horses in the race are in the same ultimate stable, um, what we need is that we need a, a different horse in the race that's, that's, that's an outsider, don't we? And I'm hoping, hoping we're going to be able to deliver that uh, before the next election. And the longer we go until the next general election, the, the easier that is going to be to deliver. And mm. the more more information will have come out that people will, will realise truly what's going on. I think a lot of people, the vast majority of people, know there's something wrong with the vaccines now, don't we? Yeah. You can, you yeah. can see that from the uptake of the of, of the spring booster which was almost non-existent yeah yeah i mean even last autumn's booster i think as i said in parliament i mean two-thirds of nhs staff refused to take it mm. um quite yeah. rightly too and i think because we're coming up to the two-year delta now of when they actually started to roll out and this is when we were told between two and five years we'll start seeing you know adverse reactions and everything else well also I've, I've been doing a bit of research matt and uh did you see the uh the press release by Thrombosis UK last week. They obviously they're concerned. They're a charity concerned with people dying from blood clots. Yeah, they said uh, they said such a big increase, haven't they? Yeah, and what they were complaining about is is that um, mysteriously the government used to publish on a monthly or quarterly basis the deaths from blood clots or the occurrences, uh, and they mysteriously stopped in 2020. They've never never made those figures public since and the government also stopped publicly producing do uh, information on on stillbirths as well at the same time and i mean i'm you know wouldn't want to be accused of being a conspiracy theorist but uh you know it's now's the time for the government to produce those figures i am also very worried about the manipulation of figures it, it yeah. was pretty clear that uh I don't know if you saw Josh Sterling, the uh, life insurance analyst in yes. America. Yeah. So. And Germany as well, wasn't it? German insurance was, was taught, discussing the same thing as well, wasn't it? They're, yeah. And, they, and they've, got, the they've got to be able to predict uh, life expectancy because they're in the insurance industry. If they don't get enough premiums in uh, mm. or make mistakes, they're, they're out of business. So they've got to look at the risks and they've got to look at them very coldly. Um, I mean, the government stopped issuing death uh, data sets, mortality data sets by vaccine status on the th you know the 31st of May last year. Um, and then they, I put, I, I asked the question, and they said they were going to release them. I think it was the 21st of February this year. A whole load of, and they completely reworked the data. And and when Professor Norman Fenton from I think St Mary's University analysed it all. You know, they'd, they'd lost 8 million unvaccinated people. And obviously, mm. if, you're, if you're dividing uh, unvaccinated deaths by a number that's a third of the real number, it makes it proportionally higher, three times higher. And that's the only way they could get to 
getting uh, vac unvaccinated deaths uh, rates higher than the vaccinated. Let's face it, Matt, if, if it was the unvaccinated who were the excess deaths now, it would be on the front of every newspaper and on the yeah. TV all the time. We know yeah. that. So it, it's only going to be one thing. And then when the Office of National Statistics are forced to uh, fiddle the figures in, in the way that they have, I mean, that's just so deeply, deeply worrying. I mean, they had actually lost a few million uh, vaccinated, but it was a it was a it wasn't a compensating error because the vaccinated population is is so much larger so they'd lost mm. about about four million people from the vaccinated population and eight million people from the unvaccinated population which completely made a mockery of, of all of those figures um and they've been taken apart by uh, statisticians and uh, and and learned uh, academics who actually analyze the data and why did they have to wait uh, sort of 10 months before they released a big dollop of, uh, of figures and why weren't they producing them to the same format they were before they stopped producing why they have to rebase everything um mm. it's um it doesn't take too much thinking to see what's going on no and i think people are having to think as well because there's so much stuff now coming about people are people are dying people are getting cancer people are having strokes you know like you say blood clots and you know there's there's something going on even my work colleagues are saying you know they've been feeling unwell for longer than they normally would and you know we can't hide the damage this is causing to people everybody looks old everyone looks tired um and this was something that i think us crazy conspiracy realists or factualists didn't want there's, to no, there's no doubt in my mind that the that the vaccines have damaged our immune systems mm -hmm. uh, um badly um mm -hmm. And that makes you more prone to other illnesses and obviously it's your own immune system that sorts out cancers every day within your own body and if that's if that's been damaged or occupied dealing with spike protein um then that's not surprising but i mean the the, the blood clots i mean just, just doesn't take a lot of thinking about we were told lots of things that weren't true about the vaccine we we're told that they were going to stop us uh, and, and let's face it, you know, I, they got me. I, I had two AstraZeneca's. Um, we, were, we were told it would stop us um, contracting the virus. That wasn't true. We were told us it would stop us transmitting the virus. That's why the mandates were coming in to protect others. That wasn't true. We were told that the, that the vaccine was going to stay in the injection site, in the arm. And we know that that's not true. It goes all over the body. Well, if, if those... Um, those nanoparticles, lipid nanoparticles, are going over the body. They're going through the bloodstream. Mm. Uh, the I think the average dose of, uh, of Pfizer's got somewhere around about 80 billion strands of uh, messenger RNA in it, in the nanoparticles. Far more than you'd get actually if you're uh, peak infection, which would be about uh, 100 million cells would be infected at peak infection with. Uh, yeah. COVID-19. Well, they're going to go through your through your your blood system um, mm. to travel all over your body. That's that's the way they're going to go. Well, obviously, the uh, the lining of of your arteries, veins, and capillaries have got epithelial cells. They've got this, and they're going to go into those. Uh, they're going to make those cells produce spike. Your own antibodies are going to attack the lining of your own blood vessels, mm. and obviously, every time you do that, there's a chance of a, a blood clot. I mean, it's yeah. it's not that, difficult. Not, not difficult to see see how that could be happening. No, and that, there was um, talk. That's why everyone's getting this kind of like constant fatigue because their body's constantly releasing um, stuff to try and you know thin the clots. Thick, uh, you know, and, and and if you've got a narrowing of the uh, 
blood vessels or the arteries or anything like that, your body's going to be working harder. Um, so they're, 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 that's the justification for why everyone feels tired all the time. But it's it's the fact that it's just um, they're just not wanting to investigate it. Like you say, right now, if there's an increased deaths, uh, an increase in deaths, which there is, why are they not comparing it to the vaccinated and the unvaccinated and the same with the cancers? And Because as you say, if it was the other way around, we'd be getting smacked over the head with this sort of data. Um, and I just couldn't I just couldn't believe that, uh, you know, I think I've had some effect uh, that the, the speeches I've given, we've gone from in December wanting to vaccinate down to six month old babies to the boosters now only for the over 75s and the immunosuppressed. And I'd ask them to think very carefully before they they risked ha having a, uh, a further sh a further shot. Mm. But. You know, the government have now announced that at the end of this month, they're going to they're authorizing the Moderna vaccine for babies down to six months. Um, it won't be mandatory. And I would ask any parents, there's, there's no healthy child of that age that's, that's known to have died of, of COVID anywhere in the world. Um, but the figures for Moderna uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the research that I've seen is that one in 662 uh, will have a severe adverse event from Moderna. It's it's, it's worse than Pfizer. Pfizer's one in nine ninety, uh, at least. But Moderna's one in six six two. Um, and data I saw from America, where they where people had had the children had had the Pfizer who were under five and above six months, one in two hundred of those that were vaccinated were still in hospital three months after the vaccine. I mean, I, I spoke to Stephanie. I mean, I, mean I, just, I just can't believe that. Uh, I mean, I can understand in America, apparently in America, if they authorize uh, a treatment, a vaccine for children down to six month babies, effectively, uh, that gives them further protection from ever being challenged for uh, uh, liability for their products if it's passed for children. I'm not aware that we've got yeah. that in, in this country, but I mean, Goodness me! I mean, this is the uh, the sacrifice of the innocents, as far as I'm concerned, and I, I've got no respect whatsoever for those people who've made that decision. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the fact that the MHRA is only 86% funded by Big Pharma and the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, in their declaration of interests, their personal interests, mm -hmm. they declared over a billion pounds of investments in pharma. I'm sure that's got nothing to do. With, with the fact that, uh, that that those 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 treatments are being authorised, but I really would uh, ask any parents to think very carefully uh, about yeah. whether any benefit there. And I just hope that they don't then start saying, well, if you want to go on your summer holidays and you've got a baby at six months, they'll have to be vaccinated because that is coercion of the worst. Uh, we've seen it all before. Uh, it's yeah. appalling. And it's it's interesting that there's uh, Pfizer have got a new drug out in America, which is for uh, respiratory problems for babies, which um, is almost absolutely the same as one by uh, uh, GSK that was withdrawn. It's, it's an almost identical treatment for an identical problem. And that was withdrawn because it was inducing uh, uh, premature births. Uh, and there are some questions about the harms it may have been doing to uh, babies and their survival rates. And I, I watched the, uh, the, um, the federal drugs agencies meeting with them and their statements. And uh, Pfizer turned around and said, well, yeah, there are some you know, 
but but when we post authorization post approval then we can test it out on and they're talking about testing it out on on, on the general public which is their target is pregnant women i mean and it was unbelievable i mean um, unbelievable uh, regard for human health and and it was it was basically a chums meeting so our regulators have been completely captured by the mm -hmm. people that they're supposed to regulate that you know as, as as we've said in the uk they've gone from being regulators to enablers well yeah. you wouldn't be very happy if the police were working with the uh, burglars to go from regulators to enablers would you well this is it we'll hold that we'll hold the ladder for you <laughs> yeah yeah well we'll help you out well we'll you're breaking you. in the window we'll we'll, we'll we'll hold your tools for you while yeah. you're in the window um no no it's uh it's a bizarre state of affairs okay i'm conscious of time so i want to rattle through these questions all right because th these are ones i want to do. do a quick fire round essentially and then um we can finish off with the with the who stuff um i think it's quite obvious as to why there's been no public inquiry um but are MPs, I mean, you're still the only MP discussing this. So, you know, the, well, the there are a few more. Now. Chris Chope, uh, MP for Christchurch, has been doing some work on this. Um, uh, Danny Kruger, the MP for Devices um, on the vaccines. And also, you've got, uh, with regard to the WHO treaty, I think there's, there's a few more might be willing to come forward on that. Uh, Esther McVeigh's made her views fairly clear. And, you know, what we need is that we need uh, cross-party support. Um, mm. How has your, um, how's your safety been? How's your family doing and everything? Is it, is, is, has there been any, um, has it changed much? I mean, I remember asking you the same question <laughs> the last time we spoke. Um, well, after we spoke last time, um, six months ago, I mean, I was pretty annoyed when... Uh, when I got a call from welfare, and obviously there's a welfare department in Parliament, uh, uh, it was you know unsolicited from me. They rang me in an evening and said, um, "We're having you know I'm very concerned about you. We're having lots of reports from colleagues telling us you're going to commit suicide, and and you know that's a bit disconcerting." And I, I, I said, "I you know I thank them very much for their concern, but I wanted to assure them that uh, I was well up for the fight and." Uh, I know that I'm going to be proved right eventually, whether that's in time to save anything of my career or save any lives. It's just a, an absolute tragedy, but I'm going to be proven right. And uh, under no circumstances am I going to be committing suicide. I mean, this is just another psychological operation on you. Um, I can't yeah. find out who's who's spreading those terrible rumours, but, uh, you know. We know don't we? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's just more of the same. It's all out of the playbook, isn't it? It is. It is. Because um, so, um, we'll go back the spike article, right? Because obviously you've had quite yeah. a few. Pieces, oh, yeah? Fraser Myers. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. you today on GB News, and and again, you know, you're such a hot topic uh, that they don't even let you speak. Um, you know, when and I specifically went and watched that interview, and I was like, she's not going to let you speak at all. Um, and the other guy. Oh, no, 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 no. No, um, and she was wrong, and um, yeah, that's because GP News have to counter me all the time. I mean, if I said, you know, the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning, they, they, they'd have to go against it, because Ofcom would be saying, well, it wasn't balanced, you're letting him speak. Um, 
that's the problem. So, but as, as far as Fraser Myers is concerned, I mean, he's a journalist. There's a lot of evidence out there that's spiked, have been taking a lot of money. They've got historic links to Pfizer. Uh, I've got some evidence that they've been taking money from, is it Koch Industries that uh, manufacture the mRNA for the vaccine manufacturers. So through intermediaries, they've been taking a lot of money. Uh, they doubled down as well. He came back and doubled down on me. Uh, we had the debate. But I mean, he wouldn't debate. I mean, all he just said is, you know, I gave him the facts and he just said, you're a conspiracy theorist. He, he, he said it about five times. Uh, that's not a debate. Um, that's, that's just smearing. Um, I, I don't understand how you can have a journalist come on and debate that sort of topic, though, unless you're debating the actual article of what he's wrote. What was he going to debate, if you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll just... Well, I, all I'll say for Spike is I, I hope they got lots of money in sponsorship from uh, Big Pharma because I know a lot of people who used to subscribe to them who have cancelled their subscription. And also, even on their own, in their own site, um, I mean, first of all, the comments were open on the first article and they had to close the comments because they were so bad for them. And on the second article, they restricted comments only to people who subscribed to Spike. So you couldn't even see the, the comments. And I mean, again, you know, they don't really want to publicize the results. Um, they are getting hammered. The, too many of the public know. Uh, and, and now, quite honestly, yeah, the more they hammer me in the media, uh, the more it reinforces to the public that there's something seriously wrong here. And I say, when I uh, when I bring to light some of the financial uh, irregularities and uh, inconsistencies we've seen, uh, which will involve very senior politicians, um, the judiciary, and uh, the banking regulators, and some very some very prominent banks in in what's been going on for a very long time. With the evidence, um, I think a lot of things are going to drop into place again for the public, and there'll be another another awakening. So, right, okay, that's interesting because there is so much information coming out at the moment. Now, I've I've had to stop reading it because some of it's stuff we've we've obviously you know been discussing over the last couple of years, and 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 it's it's interesting seeing that stuff come out. Uh, you know, the recirculation of old information is great because it means more people are are reading it. But do you think it would lead to a, a Nuremberg Type Two scenario? I mean, I know Nuremberg isn't like kind of like legally binding, but they also reference Nuremberg when they've trialed other doctors in the past. Well, the Nuremberg, the Nuremberg Convention was signed to stop experimentation on on people um, that we saw during those awful times in the Second World War mm. by uh, by the, the Nazi uh, party. Mm. So, I mean, there are there are analogies. I mean, obviously, you get you get slammed for making analogies with what's going on now. Um, I'm I'm very conscious that what we're going to suffer when when the truth comes out, and it will have to come out in a sort of controlled way because some people won't be able to cope with all of it. Mm. Uh, it'll have to be direct out that um, there's going to be a there's already a massive breakdown in trust between the public and healthcare and politicians and the science. And I think we're going to need that people are going to have to be held responsible for their actions to, and it's going to have to be fairly severe for the public ever to regain that trust. And also, 
I think people in positions of power, whether that's in the, in health services, science, and responsibility in politics, they've got to know that if you ever let anything like this ever happen again, there's got to be repercussions, and they've got to be very severe, very yeah. severe. Because, no, yeah, and I, how else ever could we get back to anyone trusting anything if if people could get away with what's gone on and just walk oh. away? I mean, it's that can't happen, and 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 the fear of that is 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 some of some of what's obviously the resistance to let the truth come out and it's not just even politics healthcare science it's also the media who've been completely complicit in this country completely yeah. complicit um i mean i think at the uh, at the press conference um the east midlands bbc political editor tony rowe came and he asked a question and i can't remember what the question was but my answer was that 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 when history is written i know that i'm going to be on the right side of history i know that the government the opposition and unfortunately for you tony the the bbc are going to be on the wrong side of history on this and his face was all screwed up because he knew that that was his chance to ask me a question and he knew he couldn't actually put that answer out mm. on the bbc but yeah. it doesn't mean it's not true um mm. and it will be true yeah it's it's a matter of time and obviously the the galling thing is that that the longer you know the first step to sorting out a problem is admitting you've got a problem and the longer we go before we admit we've got a problem the more people are going to be harmed and continue sadly to die untreated and we need to get on now and, and sort out what we can salvage and what we can do medically to counter the damage and the harms that the vaccines have done that segues nicely into my NHS question. Do you think there's a, a, a kind of organised, I wouldn't say sort of collapse of the NHS, but but there's, you know, there's a reason why we've got hospital queues, ambulances queuing up for so long. I mean, there's always a certain amount of that anyway. Most clinicians will tell you that, but it, it seems to be getting worse. It's not so much a bad I think, issue. I think, I think there is, I think there's, I think it suits the government narrative and the parliament narrative for there to be constant strikes and unrest within the NHS and that gives some degree of cover for why um, the services are in such demand and we've also got uh, the excess deaths but I mean they're not the answer that isn't the answer why most of the excess deaths are, are in the age group 20 to 50 these people wouldn't normally be presenting in hospital they wouldn't normally be, be uh, at risk of higher mortality Hmm. Yeah, uh, I, th I think you know that's that stuff. That's data you can't deny. Unfortunately, well, at the end of the think... day, the NHS has never been funded to the level it's being funded now. It's it's the highest funding it's ever had, and uh, and things things aren't working. Um, and, it, and, 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 I, and, I, and I don't think and I don't think it's just the NHS in in our country. I think that the I think health services are struggling around the world. Um, mm. Um, and it, it does feel like, um, yeah, uh, well, it's, it's not, and they're not the only public services that are not not working very well. It's very hard. It's very hard to look at some of the decisions that our government and governments around the world have made, and not to consider that they're flying our economies into a into a cliff. And the amazing thing is that the the government's steering the aeroplane into the cliff, and there's very few of us trying to break the door down to get the 
to get control of it. Oh, there was no one flying the plane. They, they, they jumped off ages ago. You know? they, they parachute. I think they parachuted out. They're in a different. Yeah, place. it's yeah. probably a private jet, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. On, their, on, on their way to Davos. Yeah. Well, they. I saw an article. Uh, I think it was today saying that the U.S. Army is one of the greatest or the largest polluters of carbon uh, with all the. Uh, well, the I, I, I I give you some interesting data from the uh, U.S. military. I've got an insider in there, and apparently, in the U.S. military, the four thousand. Um, authorized aviators, pilots, so helicopters, planes, all the different planes, 4,000. Um, and, and of course, they have to have a medical every year to stay in the air. And on a normal year, like 2016, they, you know, because these are all young, healthy, mostly men, some women, mm -hmm. um, they lose sort of, you know, sports accidents, car crashes, tragedies. 200 of, of them are not fit to fly the next year. Mm. It was 4,000 last year. 4,000 out of, out of 35,000 failed their airworthiness medical. 20 times more than a normal year. I'm also hearing the same from uh, civil aviation. They've had to relax the medical requirements for uh, or they won't have any civil aviation pilots because they've been vaxxed. Mm. But it's just, I don't understand. Well, I do understand, but I don't at the same time. I think to myself, how much worse has it got to get before people just go, do you know what, I'm going to say something, you know? I know, but it has. It is, it, I mean, it is going to get worse. Uh, yeah. Financially, it's going to get worse. Um, that's that's already, already going to happen. Mm. Um, it, it will have to get worse before... I think people will be jolted into action that we're going to have to do something and the system, the whole system is not working for us. And, and obviously the sooner that that comes, I think the, the better for all of us, but we do have an opportunity one way or another in the next 12, 18 months, we can't carry on like this. We're either going to be, it, we're going to be in a different place and it's either, it's, it's either the place that Mr. Schwab and the, the world economic forum, what we're effectively going to have a, a world government, and we're effectively what I think is going on is they've looked at the World Economic Forum and uh, the big corporates have looked at China, looked at the way they manage 1.3 billion people, look at their economic growth mm. and thought this is how we need to. I think we're seeing the Chinification and that will be with the digital ID, the digital currency. I mean, we'll, we'll end up then with uh, a de facto um, um, social credit scoring system where you'll be initially you'll be encouraged by getting bonuses little credits for you know putting your recycling out and then pretty soon it'll turn around to it'll be negatives won't it if you don't do it you'll yeah so, i mean you know i think that the, the chinese credit uh, social credit scoring system was actually designed up by a western company i think it was google but it, i'm actually convinced it wasn't it wasn't done for the chinese it was done for us it's just it's going to be trialed in china yeah, just a blueprint. Well, I mean, you know, I'm going to oppose all of these, all of these measures. I think they've gone too far. You've got the the, the 15 minute uh, neighbourhoods, the low traffic neighbourhoods. Yeah. I mean, the the backlash off that. I mean, they they thought they could get it through in Oxford, which is pretty progressive. I mean, 90% of the of the residents don't want it. Yeah. Um, they they're bringing it in in Thetford, but I've, I've I'm pretty sure that every single planning authority in their uh, planning framework have got to have plans for these neighborhoods. 
I'm putting in for the ones for Northwest Leicestershire. I noticed they didn't uh, didn't try and bring them in as a pilot in Northwest Leicestershire. I'm pretty sure my my ex mining community would have certainly had them down faster than they could put them up. Quite honestly, and it, it's all very well, you know, saying all oh, these low traffic areas there for so you have all the amenities within 15 minutes walk of where you live, your shops, your parks, your schools, your medical facilities. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, if that was really the aim of of of, of making that you know, convenient and uh, a nicer place to live. Surely those those amenities would be the first thing you'd put in first. You wouldn't you wouldn't yeah. put the cameras and the bollards in first to, to lock people into to neighbourhoods if if unless that that was the real aim. And I think that's that says it all to people. Yeah. Uh, and people, no one's voted for this. No, no, no one's no. voted for it. No, it's in no one's manifesto. You know, mm. I, I was kicked out of the Conservative Party for going against the narrative on the mRNA vaccines. On I don't remember those being in our manifesto that I was signing up to support experimental uh, medical treatments, which hadn't been invented at the time of the last general election, apparently. But I think they mm. probably had, uh, but they certainly weren't in our manifesto. So um, it's, it, 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 it can't carry on as it is. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Mm. But the next 18 months, we are certainly living that in very interesting times. Oh, it's it's it, it's sometimes it feels like it's the best time to be alive and, and the worst all at the same time. Um, so leading me into that last last two questions. What um, do you think we'll ever get to the point where we can have a, an unbiased media platform um, or where can people, you know, is, is it OK? For example, if, if, if Reclaim was to do a, a Reclaim news channel, for example, where we just streamed and, and had stuff that people could look at to help them wake up to things and people explaining stuff. Do you think that would be a good way to start? Well, we do have, there is a company called Reclaim the Media, which puts out, um, which puts out um, various clips and we will, we will do that. But I mean, obviously, you know, I've got a bias, my, my own political views and my views, I mean, and they're not going to be the, exactly the same as anybody else's. So we all speak from our own ground, mm. but what, what we've got is whole topics currently that the mainstream media just won't talk about. We'll talk about where the to start. That's the difficult thing. It's where to start, isn't it? We, we, we've had time to, to read into this and emotionally get our heads around everything and all that kind of stuff. So it's obviously the, the people are waking up now to the point of, crikey, there's excess deaths. So they've gone past a certain point. So it's, it's we need to fill in the gaps and it's really difficult to get them to that point without their heads exploding. Yeah, and, and, and I've concentrated on the excess deaths because very sadly... Um, they can't hide the bodies, can they? That is, no. I mean, that, that, that's the fact. I mean, we can talk about we can talk about the collapse of the banks. I mean, that's going to happen when it happens. It's probably going to be this autumn, yeah. uh, and bringing in the CV. There are sort of concepts, but I mean, mm. the fact that we all know people who appear to have died before their time in our streets, in our circle of friends. I mean, people just can't ignore that, can they? So that right. is their Achilles heel. And the fact that they just won't talk about it, and you reinforce and the fact that they, you know, for me talking about it, they tried to end my political career. <laughs> and then how many how many doctors and scientists who who who've spoken out and said we need to look at this? How many of them? That what they've done to me is no different to what they've done to scientists and, and doctors, yeah. regardless of their qualifications and their their, their background. Mm. And even you know Lawrence Fox himself, he spoke out on. On, on issues um, um, that, that he was, you know, and he was cancelled for that. 
But mm. I mean, and it, and it's for those who'll say, well, you know, yeah, the NHS isn't doing very well, and we've got all these strikes and all that business. You know, you and the government's you know done the best it can in the difficult circumstances. You've got to you've got to look. Basically, we know the lockdowns didn't work. The vaccines are extremely dubious, and you've got all the governments of the democracies across the world, from Australia, New Zealand, Canada, America, all of Europe, have chosen to do the same bizarre things at the same time, which mm. history will judge them very, very badly. And it, it, it's, it's, it's almost, it's a lockstep. And, mm. and all the other things that, that, that annoy my constituents, you know, people going and promoting, you know, gender dysphoria in schools to younger and younger children i mean i was i was in a zoom with um um some pretty switched on australian senators uh, a month ago and mysteriously exactly the same things happening in their schools in australia it's happening in america it's happening in europe um it, it's very hard to to look at the facts and think that a lot of these things that we don't like uh, that no one's voted for the 15-minute neighbourhoods, for instance, they're happening all over the world. Yeah. How can this be? You know, how come that every democracy seems to be in 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 lockstep? And Mr. Schwab can make an announcement. Apparently, he said now there's there's only going to be he wants there to be just four major food hubs around the world, and then governments. I mean, who voted for Mr. Schwab and his ideas? Uh, but but what he says seems to have huge influence. With, with governments around the world who are supposed to be representing their their electorates. Uh, it's it's all turned on its head uh, mm. and, and we've got to stop it. And people people will see what's what's going on, but it, it's going to start affecting them acutely um, over the next few months, unfortunately. Last question. I could sit here and talk to you all day, uh, <clears throat> Andrew, but I know you're, you're, you're a busy man, so I do appreciate your time today. What do you do to stay calm and balanced, mate? Well, I don't get a lot of free time at the moment. I uh, I occasionally like a, a, a glass of wine. Um, there just isn't enough time. I, I don't have any downtime as such. Uh, and even when I'm, I, I like time to think, but I, you know what I'm thinking about. Um, it, it is traveling around and the number of people that come up to me uh, and, and say, you know, thank you for what you're doing. It's the fact that, um, you know, I went over to Norway and spoke at a conference there a month ago in Stavanger. And, and, and they said, you know, we haven't got a politician who will stand up in our parliament. So. So, so when you speak in your parliament, you've got to speak for us as well, because we haven't got anybody. Um, and if I'm ever feeling down, I mean, all I actually do is I just open the emails up and look, look at the thousands and thousands of emails of support. Um, genuine people um, coming in from around the world. Um, I mean, I, yesterday, I mean, I, it was it was heartbreaking. I, I had a meeting with some schools in a uh, multi-academy trust that covers most of, uh, probably the biggest one in my constituency of Northwest Leicestershire, uh, the Life Trust. The meeting was actually in Leicester. Um, but it was talking about provision of mental health services and, and counselling support for children and, and how it's, the demand for that has just ballooned since the, since the lockdowns. And we've got to, We've got to move from a government. Uh, when someone comes to me with a problem in my constituency at a surgery on a Friday or with an email, we go back to them and say, look, okay, 
we've got we've got this we'll you know obviously it's a deep deeply concerning to you whatever the issue is we'll we'll worry about it now you get on with your life and we'll come back to you when we'll we'll come back with the solutions and the and the answers and that's what i thought government was you know that we let the people get on with their lives and when we sort out the problems and, and now we've got to a state where the government sees the people as the problem and pushes everything onto them and the pressure they've put on to the public you know uh, whether it's it's the, the pandemic the threat of another pandemic the the economic crisis the fuel crisis everything's a crisis the uh, the constant bashing on about the need to get to net zero which is the science just doesn't back any of that up i mean we we, we have no climate emergency and i'm afraid that science has been captured by exactly the same people who fund big pharma um, and the intergovernmental panel on climate change is another united nations uh, body exactly the same as the who and it's uh, infected with all the problems that, that, that they've got of external funders who've made a lot of money out of all this but it's just putting such pressure on 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 the people and uh, particularly the young people who, who haven't got the mental health resilience and they're actually still at the stage of their life where they tend to think that most of what's on the television is the truth and what most of what they read in the newspapers is the truth mm. um what i would say is that a lot of the people who email me disproportionately they're they're older people who have have got that life experience and that they've probably woken up first that they've yeah. seen seen what's what's been going on so um so it was it was it was to see the damage, and I spoke about that in, in the, my response to the Queen's speech, the opening of the, this parliament, um, that we owe the young people a huge debt because we've involved them. And, you know, in any civilized society, I expect that um, I'd expect to make sacrifices to protect young people. I wouldn't expect them to make sacrifices to, to protect me. And I think we've damaged our children through loss of education and and the mental health scars they're going to carry will be be for the rest of their lives it's got to mm. stop um which is what i said in december 21 in the plan b debate that the the only the only pandemic we've really been suffering around the world and in the uk is a pandemic of fear and it's got to stop and, and that's what we've got to stop mm. we've got to stop the government scaring the people i hope we can do it and i've got every confidence that we can um andrew thank you so much for your time today any quick final words i mean i think you summarized everything up quite we never get a chance to talk about everything we want to talk about either do we that's the problem but uh it's reasons for me to keep getting you well back. that's always an excuse for you to come back to me in another six months and uh, and yeah. say will you come back on but yeah. uh, but i would ask your nhs staff to uh think carefully about what's what's going on and if they see something that's not right they they really are on a, a duty to the public and uh, and themselves to to speak out. And I know there's a lot of NHS staff who contact me who who are scared to speak out. Well, yeah. the time's coming when uh, we're all going to have to decide whose side we're on. And I want to be on the side of the people. So do I. And I think we are at the moment. I think we're doing all right. Um, I just hope that we can be bastions of uh, not so much freedom, but just you know, be the right people we need to be for the future generations, you know? Yes, yes. Well, um, it's coming. It's coming to a head. All right? Yeah.
All right. Well, listen, thank you so and much. And keep the time. faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, a great, I'm a great believer in humanity. You can you can concrete over nature and the weeds will always push through and we'll, we, we then they won't, won't be able to stop us. Humanity is very adaptable and it's got a strength that they can't match. We'll Are you a man through. of faith? Yes. Good. There we and go. I, and I've, I've also found that some of my friends who, who realise what's going on, who were, I would say, confirmed agnostics are now quite spiritual. It's when they've seen, when they've seen pure evil, then they, there has to be a counterbalance to that, doesn't there? Yeah, and you know what? That's the camp I'm in. I'm, I'm getting there slowly, spiritual, 100%, because you, like you say, there has to be a balance for this. Um, and um, we will be on the right side of history. I hope so. Well, well, listen, thank you, Andrew. All the best. Good luck today. Uh, stick around and uh, we'll chat some more soon. All right. Thank you for your time. Goodbye, everybody. See you soon. All the best. Bye-bye.